This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand. Actually, Wednesday. I lost track of the days. Happy Wednesday. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. And over there is someone you will not be hearing from much today. Uh, our very own Aaron McIntyre, who probably doesn't even want to put himself on camera today. Um, Aaron has played hurt before. Brutal honesty. We probably shouldn't be doing this show today. And if we were not up against the uh, clock here where the Iowa caucuses in our own backyard are concerned, we would not be. Uh, Aaron is very, very down, very ill. Um, And so going to be a modified program today. I'll tell you more about that Um, after I tell you about our friends at First Cup Coffee Company. Christian-owned Patriot Coffee Company stands for the same core values of family and country that many of you do, and they also make some killer coffee, according to Aaron, when he can talk, and many of you who have tried it as well. There's a flavor for every freedom-loving American. It is shipped within days of being roasted. The roast date is actually placed right there on the bag. You can go to firstcup.com, use code DACE, and save an additional 10% on your order when you do that. And if you subscribe, you can save an additional 10% for the life of your subscription. Firstcup.com, promo code DACE. That's firstcup.com, promo code DACE. All right, so today's show will be a little bit modified. We will not have a montage today. I tried to take as much off of Aaron's plate today as I possibly could. Um, And then also buy, sell, or hold, Todd, we're going to have to slum it and actually read the submissions to ourselves. I'll have to check the fine print of my contract, see if I can endure. (laughs) Other than that, we will have buy, sell, or hold beginning at the bottom of the hour. Uh, We will be joined at the uh, tail end of the program by Florida First Lady Casey DeSantis. She will be here with us in studio uh, here in about 90 minutes. So we look forward to that conversation. So what are we going to do here at the the top of the program? And I I spent uh, my time at the gym contemplating that this morning. And felt a little, maybe conviction, maybe it was inspiration, uh, that there is something I think we need to discuss on the show that I have, I've not shared with you in the audience. Part of it is because it kind of sounds a little crazy. Um, but... I think the conviction slash inspiration comes from comes from the fact that it is one of the one of the driving influences and in, and and impulses of how I'm doing the show these days. And and so because of that, I think it's fair that it needs to be discussed. You guys should know where I am coming from. 
And it's a topic that has come up a lot over the last year or so. And it's a, even within our audience, that is, I mean, we press, we push on you guys a lot. We lean on you a lot. And you guys are pretty tough and resilient to keep coming back. And we appreciate that greatly. Um, this is not just a chuckle hut show. This is not just take, you know, the team GOP talking points of the day. And let's just lay them all out. Check the box. Yeah, you know, we we did the conservative media seminar program uh, and got to, uh, you know, the the we, we, we got it done. Money was made. Hayes in the barn. See you tomorrow. This is a this is a show that that challenges. I mean, if you want to make the a biblical worldview, the prime directive of your show, that's going to be very challenging. Um, it is both the greatest bestseller in human history and the most unpopular book in human history at the exact same time. So I want to see if I can explain something and maybe have it be, and a lot of you are still not going to agree, but, but maybe have it be kind of a uh, Rosetta Stone, Todd, for lack of a better description, you know, something we can refer back to. And, you know, we've, we've said, we used to say this a lot on the show, but we don't say it as much anymore, but it is still kind of the way we think we're, we're not so much always trying to win an argument around here. We're trying to start one. Um, I don't have, as far as I know, anyway, some form of like specific prophetic anointing. So this isn't thus speaketh the Lord God of hosts. This is just, you know, someone who loves the Lord, loves his word, has studied it. And has made it his life's mission and passion, and I think it, that is my calling, is to try to to bring it onto a to as many mainstream platforms as I possibly can to let the lion out of its cage. This is my attempt to do this. Doesn't mean it's right. I'm not a theologian. I have no ecclesiastical authority whatsoever. I I just have one of the largest audiences of believers that listen to um, any singular person on a given day in America. And that doesn't mean, by the way, that I have any added extra authority than that. I mean, I, I would say a pastor of a small country church who has been commissioned, you know, to, to, to spearhead, to lead that church, and there's 150 people in there, has more ecclesiastical authority than I do. According to yeah, that's that's what I think. But if we are going to have this large audience of believers, and if we are going to make a biblical worldview the prime directive of the show, and we have, and and be, and and as a result, I think that's why we do have this large audience of believers. I think I think that we have been unevenly yoked, and that's on me. And you need to know where I am coming from. So let me just lay this out here. I believe this country is under a generational curse. And this is something that, Todd, you've heard me talk. We talked about this privately. Aaron, if he could talk today, would acknowledge the same thing. There's a, there's a tight group of friends that I have of people and contacts around the country. I've discussed this with them. But we haven't really fleshed it out or discussed it on the show. And part of it is, I think it kind of sounds crazy. You know, and that's never totally stopped us before, but 
we do kind of feel like there's only so much crazy you can serve up at one time. You know what I'm saying? Got to got to give people time to breathe, you know. But but here's here's what I mean by that. If you look in the scriptures, there are numerous references to generational curses. And most of them, not all, I mean, Christ talks about this in the Gospels, for example, but most of these references are in the Old Testament. And a lot of that is because God is dealing, first and foremost, covenantally with a nation. According to that prophetic timeline in the scriptures. Now that I say he's exclusively dealing covenantally with a nation? No, I said primarily. The Mosaic and Abrahamic covenants are what's driving, are, are what drive the narrative of the Old Testament. However, you still went and made sacrifices at the temple as an individual, correct? You were, there were still personal acts of atonement that you still had to engage in. Even underneath that larger, broader national covenant, you still had to engage in individual acts of atonement because from the very beginning, from Genesis to Revelation, this has always been a one-on-one relationship with God. God did not call Abraham's people. He called Abraham. God did not call Abraham's descendants. He called Abraham and Abraham was an individual. God did not call Moses' people. He called Moses. He did not call Moses' descendants. He called Moses. It's always an individual. Didn't say, Moses, bring all the Israelites here. I have a law to give them. He gave the law to Moses. And then Moses brought the people the law. This has always been about an individual relationship with God. And that paradigm is even more stressed in the New Testament now. Now the veil has been torn. And we can all individually approach the throne of grace. But if you go to the founding of this country, if you take an obvious and objective historical look at the founding of this country, you can see that the two driving influences from the time the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock until the Constitution was ratified, the two driving influences were a biblical worldview and thinking that came out of the Enlightenment, or to more make it to make it more circumspect, the Enlightenment and the Reformation were the two driving influences. The pilgrims who landed at Plymouth Rock, they believed in things that we often curse today in the American church. Postmillennialism, theonomy, these things are bad words. I mean, you get labeled the theonomist in a Southern Baptist church, have a nice life. They'll excommunicate you for that, and they don't even believe in it. Okay, so, I mean, they're, 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 these, this sort of, this sort of mass covenantal language from the Old Testament, maybe broad covenantal language is a better way of putting it. This sort of broad covenantal language of the Old Testament was, was one of the driving theological plumb lines of the founding of this nation. That doesn't mean they had the right, did I say they had the right theology? Is that what I said? No. No, I'm not here to play referee where that's concerned. I have my own opinions on these topics. You guys want to ask me what I think some days. I answer them most of the time if I can. I'm not here to play, I'm not here to to play theological scorekeeper. I'm just, I'm just reciting history. These are facts. That's what drove these people. 
And it was it was clear. Look at the language of the Declaration of Independence. We we asked the supreme ruler to judge the rectitude of our actions. And 56 men signed that, for example. This is covenantal language. They are attempting to emulate in a civic realm. I mean, the United States is not a second Israel. There's only been and only will be one Israel. Um, but they're attempting on a civic level, on a broad civic level, to emulate what they saw work in the scriptures. That when, in, that when a people choose life, they are blessed. And when they choose death, they are cursed. As Moses said to the people of Israel, I've set before you life and death. Choose life so that you may live in the land. And this is everywhere. It's all over our founding documents. It's the Ten Commandments on the walls, painted on the walls of the Supreme Court. It's the, it's the opening salvo of every state constitution either mentions God specifically or some reference to him. They were attempting to emulate this. They were attempting to say, we believe you are God. And in a New Testament world now, your house is a house of prayer to all nations. So we, these English speaking peoples here of these United States, we are saying we are we are asking for your divine providence, the hand of your guidance, of your blessing on this land and accountability and justice, by the way, provided that we live according to the laws of nature and nature's God, the basic morality, the, the, the general broad revelation, the natural law that God has revealed to the creation. Fair so far? Yes. Okay. What's happened is, is there has been a generation that has full-throated, not, and, and comprehensively, did I say completely? Is that what I said? No. No. But comprehensively has turned away from these things. And it started with the summer of love and the dawn of the counterculture, and it just continues on. Now, we had other generations that signed off on all this covenantal language I just talked about, and then went to slave auctions, right? Mm, yes. Yeah, that wasn't good, right? Yeah. The greatest generation came home um, after saving Western civilization and then gave an audience to Kinsey and Hefner. That wasn't good, was it? No. No. Which kind of set the tone for all of this. The greatest generation also gave us the great society, which was the advent of the welfare state. That wasn't a great thing either, was it? No. No. So... What has been the perfect generation? Given that some of the 56 men that signed that declaration and invoked that covenantal language believed in slavery, or at least practicing it, name the perfect generation of emulating that covenant since the dawn of this country. Name the perfect one. There is no one. There has not been one. You know why? Because how many perfect people are there? None. None. But name the generation before the current one, the boomers that comprehensively rejected it in total. Has there been one? No. I would say no. We've talked about every generation has its blind spots, but comprehensively, every definition of everything fundamental in a human society was brought to bear and made to be questioned in the boomer generation. I don't even know how this is a debatable point. We got divorce culture, we got abortion culture, we got third wave feminism, we got the rainbow jihad, we got the sexual revolution. 
latchkey kids, deadbeat dads. I mean, I could just go on and on. How much longer should I go on with this? Point made. Political correctness. And I think that is the driving. I've used that term a lot here during this uh, probably to you annoying monologue. Um, But I think that that has, I really believe this, that this is the driving spiritual spirit of the age in this culture. That the country is under a generational curse. And the same things that apply, if I'm right, in our time, or applied scripturally, apply in our time. If you are a Christian, it doesn't matter what generation you're in, if you're a believer. It doesn't matter what generation you're in. You are in covenant, right covenant with God. But that does not mean that just because there's no condemnation in Christ, that does not mean there will be no consequences, correct? Right. We have natural disasters. People that are in right covenant with God die in them all the time, correct? Yes. Yeah. We have financial disasters. People who are in right covenant with God go bankrupt all the time. Right? The world is fallen. Yes. yes. And it's not because of anything necessarily they did. Maybe it is. I mean, maybe, maybe they let, maybe they didn't listen, maybe they didn't follow through on their sanctification and let sin crouch at their door and they made poor choices. That can happen, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've, I've come very close to making some very poor moral choices in my own life the last few years. I've talked very openly about this. But, but a lot of times for the believer, that's really not the case, is it? It's just part of being in the world. Even though you're not of it, you're still in this world. And when bad things happen in this fallen creation, you're not immune to them. You just know that if, if your number's up, you end up, you wake up. The next thing you do is wake up in paradise. But your number could still come up, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's no guarantee your number's not coming up. And... What bothers me is when we talk about these generational things and the amount of people who will email me and say, I'm a believer, I'm not, I don't believe in any of this, I'm not a part of this. I mean, you're not to see yourself as part of any form of a broader group if you're a believer other than the church of Jesus Christ. Like, I, I love my Michigan Wolverines, small L, right? Took my family out to the Rose Bowl, right? Okay. If we found out tomorrow that a star player or a key coach had kitty porn on his computer, would that in any way, shape, or form, because of the amount of, because my basement is, my man cave is painted maize and blue, would that in any way, shape, or form be any form of an indictment against me? No, not immediately, no. You know why? Because it wasn't my computer. I don't 
Not mine. But if that team, any team, is continuing to be obviously and not surprisingly loaded with that kind of thing and we continue to give our attention to that to an ideologist point of view then it is yeah because i'm now but 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 not because of the sins that they committed but because of my own sins my own ability to because now i'm not separating myself from that right i'm not even saying something like hey this is my team i root for him but i don't i don't approve of any of that everyone should go to prison or i should not root for them i'm not making any distinctions or separation from what is obviously wicked or evil but i am seeing myself as part of this larger attachment Right. Yes. Yeah. There is no broader attachment. You're just you're part of the Church of Jesus Christ. That's the only broader attachment. I got an email from a guy saying, you know, um, I'm a believer. You know, one of my kids wants to have a gay wedding. Should I go? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I love my children. I think they. You've seen them all over the years. You've seen all three of my kids. I think I've demonstrated to them my love for them. I would not attend their gay wedding. I wouldn't stop if I wouldn't stop loving them any less than I already do. But but do they get to define what marriage is? No. Do I get to define what marriage is? No. If it if it's somebody I'm close to and the situation gets emotionally difficult, am I then allowed to define what marriage is? No. No. Who defines what marriage is? God. God. And then ultimately, who am I accountable to? Him. Him. Yeah. Every generation, there's a remnant of people who withstand this. But collectively, I absolutely believe we are under a generational curse. And I think the only way out of that, when, 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 you, when you get into that, biblically, historically, the only way out is for either a new generation, which is what the Israelites faced, 40 years in the desert until a new generation's time, or you have to have revival. What I am more afraid of than Democrats, am I a fan of Democrats? No. No. What I'm more afraid of than even the spirit of the age, because my Lord conquered the grave. My Lord crushes the head of the serpent. My God rules. He reigns. I'm not afraid of the spirit of the age. That's why I'm going right back in. It wasn't because it made me a millionaire, brother. I'm going right back in, making some more nefarious content, joking out loud about, wonder how they'll try to kill me this time. Because I'm not afraid of that. Everybody's number comes up. I can't think of a better way to go out than, have to ha- than, having, than, than being such a threat to the spirit of the age. It has to kill me. My gosh. If that doesn't if that doesn't get you a well done good and faithful servant when you wake up in eternity man then I don't know what does. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, come on. What a badge. What a crown. That they that I had to be killed any of us. You were such a threat to the enemy. They just at the end they just had to kill you. Yes, please. I'm in. I'll take that over the slow deteriorating. I'm in my nineties and my wife's changing my diapers death any day of the week. You too, I'm guessing. Yes. Any day of the week. I'll take that baby. You bet. What a funeral that'll be. Dad was a badass man. Hell just had to take him out. Yep. I'm in. I'll take that one. Those are some good parting words. Thank you. What I'm actually afraid of is that we're not recognizing if what I think is true is right. 
If it's wrong, prove me wrong. Believe me, I don't want to be right about this. But if I'm right, we need to really reevaluate how we're thinking here. Because one of the one of the things, if I'm right, and I may not be, I want to make that very clear. I've I've tried to approach this, you know, I was just in the bathroom. I, I do this before every show, man, but I was praying all the more for humility. So I hope I'm expressing that. If I'm not, that's on me and I'm sorry. But if I'm right, if, that's a big if, if I'm right, we're doing almost everything wrong. We are continuing the same paradigms we always did before. But this time, we'll do it harder. We'll do it better. I'll Fox News harder. I'll vote harder. My generation, you're right, Steve, my generation wrecked this. So we've got to fix it. We've got to fix it. And, and so I've got to vote for people of my generation, for example, and put them in power and hold on to power. I'm, I'm the 82-year-old pastor at a megachurch. There is no one knows if, if, if my number comes up tomorrow because I'm not buying green bananas. No one knows who's running this church, man, if, if I go out. No one has a clue what the line of secession is. There is no 40, 50-year-old man who, that, that has been uh, groomed and, in, in the right way uh, and that people are ready to take over as their leader, as the one to bring them the word. No, I've just got to stand here in this pulpit until my last day when my last breath holding the rope if I'm wrong keep doing that and I might be wrong I might be wrong right I might be wrong you're not if I'm right the hole your kids and grandkids are already in might just be insurmountable when you're gone And if you're, if you are a boomer who gets this, you don't need to email me and tell me this. And I don't understand. I'll apologize to you. I've, maybe I should have explained this from the very beginning. And you're probably right. But the thing I've never understood is if you get this, then why are you offended? If, if, if everybody that shoots up a school this year is named Steve, I'm, I'm not going to feel any form of collective guilt. I didn't fire the gun. It's not me. I'm not responsible for anybody, for all these Steves in the world. If you are an individual, if you're part of the remnant in your generation and you read this, you get the signs of the times, you see what's going on and you, you're thinking, you're tracking with me. Doesn't mean we're right, by the way, because we're tracking together, but I don't understand if we're tracking together, you don't need to be offended. I'm not talking about you. You get it. But if I'm right, and we had the first generation in American history just completely, not completely, I'm sorry, comprehensively, just walk away from that civic covenant with Jehovah, with Yahweh, just walk away from it. To say, yeah, we're gonna, we, we, we kind of know. We know what a human is. We know what a law is. We know what a border is. We know what, a, we know what a reality is. We know. We got this. 
And and then they weren't like mass opposed, even if it was just a small remnant of people, but they weren't mass opposed. In Ezekiel, God says to the watchman on the wall, if I put you there and you did not warn the people, you will suffer there. They will suffer for what they said and have done against me, but you will suffer that you did not fulfill your calling and do something about this. That's kind of what I'm alluding to here. The instinct collectively of, of, of the righties in this generation is to hold on for as long as possible because they don't trust the next generation. And by the way, you're right to not trust the next generation. I'm part of it. <laughs> I'm not all that optimistic that we're that much better off. To, we, we are going to be able to undo any of what's been done. But you know, one of the reasons why we're not to be trusted, you didn't father us. You didn't mentor us. You didn't prepare us. You didn't coach us. You held on for as long as absolutely possible. But eventually, Father Time is undefeated, and the generation I'm a part of is going to be 40, 50, 55, and eventually they will ascend. And we're going to find out probably in very harsh terms, they are in no way, shape, or form prepared for what is coming. And it's already here. If we're under a generational curse, we need a lot more humility. If we're not, cool. Keep doing what you're doing. Maybe this time it'll work. Or maybe there's a reason all the tropes of this era have failed. One or the other. More in a moment. Constitution Wealth is the Patriot's choice in wealth management. Let me ask you something. Do you avoid shopping with businesses who offend your values? That can be difficult to do. Kind of hard to eliminate it altogether. But why not apply that to your own investment portfolio? Constitution Wealth can help you do that, make you or help you to align your values with your portfolio, your principles with your portfolio. They can help you build a solid investment plan because you still have to retire someday. They can reduce your investments in ESG, DEI, and CEI participation, as well as in companies that invest in pornography, abortion, anti-family policies, etc. Reduce your investments in the woke corporations. And in doing so, you have put the prosperity that God has gifted you with, you have put it to good use here in the spiritual battle happening in America. This is your opportunity to help build the parallel economy, work with an investment firm comprised of professionals who are patriots just like you, work with an advisor who shares your values too. So why work with anyone else when you can work with constitutionwealth.com slash Steve and sign up for a free consultation today. That's constitutionwealth.com slash Steve, constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. All right, before we move on to buy, sell, or hold, I, I, just, I just brought up a pretty heavy topic, heavy subject. 
I would like us, Todd, to, to flesh it out a little bit, either with your thoughts or things that you think maybe I need to clarify. I don't think you need to clarify it, and I think us saying this out loud is as important for us as it is for you. We're not going to be doing you any service going down the road if we don't come to the table with this on our hearts and minds uh, every single day. Some heavier more than others, but th- this is this is the whole ball game, and this is this is end uh, game stuff. There's no way. I I I didn't know exactly what Steve was going to say, but I, I I. That's true. Let me clarify that at the top of the show, I mentioned yeah. to Todd. There's been something weighing on me yeah. that I have not addressed publicly that we've talked about privately, and just felt convicted, inspired at the gym this morning with Aaron's montage off the table. We had this hole this morning to open the show. Um, I mean, I guess we could we could be discussing the back and forth between Hunter Biden and Nancy Mace today, but everybody else is going to do that, right? Yeah. So today's the day where I needed to come clean about something. I didn't even tell you what it was. So I just gave you a heads up that this was coming, but without telling you specifically yeah. what it was going to be. But there's no way going on as we currently are that... W- that we in our own lifetime or our children's lifetime, that the abyss isn't going to find us and swallow us whole coast to coast right now on the East coast right now, you, you have them. And this would have been in the montage. They shut down a public school with no plan for, uh, uh, education. So they just reran the tape on COVID knowing they're going to get away with it because of, uh, who they're dealing with. They shut down a public school to use that school as a shelter for illegal immigrants. Over in San Francisco, in that toilet, they just uh, took a vote amongst the uh, city council there uh, to approve Hamas. I, yeah, you make all the punchlines you want to about the left coasts and all that, all right? But... There's never any consequences right. for that. Even here in our own backyard, we just had the devil statue. Uh, uh, right. Th- all right. There, think of Steve and I were talking about financially. You know what? When is when is it? They just instead of it's your school, your bank. Just like, sorry, I know that savings, that nest egg you had in there. Nice try, but it's ours now for reasons. Hunter Biden just strolled into oversight committee on Congress. And then just strolled back out of there with his, and apparently he had his own camera crew. Like this is, we are all of your comfort. I know you think that this thing can be, no matter what other great nations have fallen before, I know you think that this thing is just going to autopilot its way. And every nation that falls thought the exact same thing. Yes. It's not. It's just not progressivism is cancer i don't say that because of rhetorical flourish it is swallowing us whole right now and your thinking that the rubber band is just going to correct itself is part of that that's a progressive attitude that you don't have to be a citizen you can just be a consumer you don't have to stand a post we're dying ladies and gentlemen we are absolutely dying I mean, you mentioned California. You and I are in our early 50s. We are old enough to remember when California was the bastion of freedom in America. Yeah. I mean, 
California was the was the birthplace of the Reagan revolution. California was a firmly reliable red state prior to the Reagan amnesty of 19 of 1986, seven of the 10 previous presidential elections. California went Republican. I mean, Aaron can't talk today, but I, if you're in his era, if you're a millennial or a Gen Zer, you hear me say that. That has to seem that was Earth four. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? How did that happen? How one generation, one, one generation. It went from the place that the modern conservative movement was born to the exact place where the current demonic spirit of the age calls its headquarters. That's not a coincidence, man. The enemy saw that and said, "That's we're going to go right where you think you're strongest. We're going right there and knocking on the front door. And we'll just, if you don't answer, we'll just beat it down and dare you to do something about it. That happened in one generation. One. One. Let's reverse engineer this for a minute. Just to prove my, just to test my hypothesis further. We have talked on this show before that we don't have to embellish the founding and history of this country. We, the actual truth is its own reward. It, it does not actually detract from our country's origins that not every founding father was perfect. I mean, last year, a couple of the, the Trump grifters lost their minds when I said there were founding fathers in hell. There are founding fathers in hell. There are people who are part of great human efforts all throughout history who are in hell. Jesus himself said, some of you will come to me and you'll say, we did this in your name. We did this for you. And I'm going to be like, depart from me, man. I don't know you. To me, that's like the most chilling verse in the entire Bible, by the way. Because it is is not what you do in this life that determines whether you spend eternity with God in heaven or not. But whether you sought... God's will for your life in this life, beginning with the forgiveness of your sins that determines that. Do we have evidence that every single member of the founding fathers asked for Christ to atone for their sinfulness? Uh, not to my knowledge. That means there's, that there's at least one of them there as we speak tragically right now. See, to me, I don't think that takes away from the credibility of our founding at all. I think it confirms it. It shows, it shows that our founders, in their own imperfect natures, cried out for God's sovereignty to intervene on their behalf, and he did. Because you know what that also shows? If That shows in every era and in every generation no matter how wicked we were five minutes ago, if we sincerely seek after God five minutes from now, he'll answer. Doesn't mean, by the way, that you will not be held accountable for your actions. You will be. But in the end, mercy triumphs over judgment. That should be an encouragement. I don't have to be perfect for God to use me. I don't have to be perfect to do a great thing. So we don't have to turn all these people into saints. They weren't. And if you read their own words, they're not the hero of the story of this country. God is. God's the hero. So if that can happen at the 
at the founding of a country, the forming of a country, right? I can, right? Yeah. Why couldn't a generation that does the opposite be the undoing of a country then? It only works one way. Only works the, it only works the positive way. Well, forget can, must in both directions. That's right, because this... God then would not be just. Mm. Yeah. Because then, you know, then he's the, uh, the hippie God. Everything's good. Everybody's affirmed. So is, is God a God of grace or justice? Yes. And they both get the last word. In heaven or hell, God's grace and justice both get the last word. You can receive the grace of God. And spend eternity with him. And his grace, therefore, gets the last word in your life, right? Or you can reject it and spend eternity apart from him. And therefore, God's justice gets the last word. See, we are not God. We can't do things like that. We can't simultaneously be of grace and justice into perpetuity. He can. So if it's true, you know, we have this remarkable generation of men, that classic Paul Harvey, you know, um, video on the founding fathers and here are these men of wealth in many cases and acclaim and fame elites really and 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 their cultures and when they signed this secession document they knew this war was going to be fought on their lands that when they pledged their lives fortunes and sacred honors it wasn't a blog they knew it was going to be their plantations where these battles were going to be fought on because they weren't invading england were they no the redcoats were coming over here to invade them And many of them did pay that price. And so we can't sit here on one hand and look back on what these men, even though they were not perfect, even though they did things that were shameful. But the cry out to God they made that he answered to form this country, we would be complete and total hypocrites if we sat here and said and honored would happen by that generation, but then made it look as if that could never be undone by another generation. Then we're, we're, we're at best, we're doing what you're claiming, what you mentioned. We're just going to act like this thing's on autopilot forever. Like we just are owed this. That's not how it works. And I I believe firmly that this has been completely undone by this generation. Not the complete generation. And by the way, one thing, I can tell you one thing. Boomers have proven they're a heck of a lot better at making movies and music than our generation is. I think we both agree on that. Okay. So there's always trade-offs here. I was reading something the other day, uh, or just yesterday, actually, about what DEI is doing to the airline industry as someone who's flying now more yeah. than ever before. Yeah. Okay. And I saw someone on Twitter. Um, I wish I knew what account it was. I can't remember who it was. I'd give them credit if I could. Um, Peachy something was their name, if I remember right. Peachy Keenan. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Yes. I don't even know who that is. Do you know who that is? Is that a moniker, I'm guessing? Not a real name? Uh, Probably a, so, yeah. a moniker. Okay. And um, this person, male or female, guessing female, um, was like, you know, Right now, it's the boomer pilots who are calling BS on this and pushing back. What happens when they go away? And I'm like, maybe I'll be flying a lot less. I mean, there's always trade-offs here, okay? Always. And I, I'm, I'm just, you know... <laughs> you know, one of the reasons why I am so enamored with Ron DeSantis as a potential president and inspired 
to do whatever I have been able, whatever I can do the last six months to try to make it so. Do you know who like the third, the other three or four Ron DeSantis is in our generation we have just warming up on deck? Do you know who they are? I do not. Do you know why you don't know? Because they probably aren't there. Because they're not there. I, I am not confident that our era, which took the... Uh, which took the the hustler and penthouse magazines that the boomers boomer dads uh, hid in their hid in the garage and in the closet and in uh, between the mattress and box screens of the of their bedrooms. Okay, we took that and said, well, let's just put that all on the internet. You know what I'm saying? I, I am not common confident the the generation that gave us reality TV and internet porn is ready to take on the day. You know what I mean? I'm not. You know, I'm not. Not. Not confident that. Gen X is ready to here I am to save the day. I don't I'm eh, I don't know about that one. Okay. But if I'm if that's true, part of the reason why is we weren't raised. My story of being born to a teenage mom and having a stepdad that barely cared. It's pretty common, actually. You know what's not common in our generation? The kind of dad you and I are trying to be right now. That's not common in our generation. It's even less common in the generation after us. So I, I'm, not, I'm not here to claim a generational superiority. I'm not. I, I'm just saying that if I'm right... And we're under some form of a generational curse. Having, having, having the majority of people in that generation whose right and wrong instincts correctly deduce what's happening to the country, but their answer is to just double down more on the self-righteous tropes that failed before, I don't think will work. And if anything, I think will be received as just more rebellion. We basically, at that point, you become the people that went to Jeremiah, the real prophet. I'm not one. The Jeremiah, the real prophet, and said, what do you mean God is going to judge us? We have the temple. We're making Israel great again. What do you mean? We're not going to be judged. Yeah, I mean, the, the lack of humility to accept that, yeah, you will. And if you would have accepted that, maybe Nebuchadnezzar doesn't lay siege to the city and make you drink your own urine and eat your own filth. Maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe the punishment is milder. Who knows? But since you didn't do that, that's how the story ends. And the last king of that era, Nebuchadnezzar, after he conquers the city, he brings that last king of Israel out with his entire court and family, and he kills them all right in front of him. And then he plucks his eyes out. So that's the last thing that he ever sees before he takes him off to Babylon as a prisoner. And that's the end of that generation. And there's people foreign and domestic right now. It's not theoretical. They're promising all the time that that's not just a story from way back in the day. They want to do that to you right now. And still, while you still have options and breath in your lungs, you keep responding by saying, give me Barabbas. Like if, if, if I had 20,000 boomers who sent me a note and said, Steve, we promise to go to every school board meeting the rest of our lives. If you will retract your endorsement of Ron DeSantis and support Donald Trump, I'd make that deal right now. Make it right now. 
But the paradigm of this generation has been to go to no school board meetings and just watch Fox News every night. So here we are. Back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, he's Todd Erz, and he's Aaron McIntyre. Except you won't be seeing or hearing from him today. My man is, he's down today. I mean, he's hurting pretty bad. And if we were not up against the clock with the Iowa caucuses in our own backyard, I would have told my man to take his first sick day since 2018. He's, he's toughing it out. So... We have kind of a stripped-down, bare-bones edition of the program here today, just so we can at least get on the air. Then hopefully he'll get home and get some more rest and feel better tomorrow. Uh, We'll be joined at the end of this hour by uh, Florida First Lady Casey DeSantis, who's here in the state campaigning for her husband for President of the United States. So she'll be joining us a little bit later on. Uh, We will get to buy, sell, or hold here in uh, just a few minutes as well. Don't forget that you can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, get her Instagram and TikTok, and you can also um, leave us a five-star review if you listen via the podcast. We would greatly appreciate that. Uh, Our hope this year, we're well over 9,000. We'd love to hit over 10,000 reviews, five-star reviews on iTunes. That'd be great. Thank you to all of you that have left us one of those, and uh, thank you as well if if you've hit subscribe or on iTunes follow. And if you haven't yet, here's why you want to do that. That way, every time we do a new episode, it shows up in your feed every single time. And this part of the show brought to you by Bonner Private Wines. We've got a special treat for you. Uh, It is their Sunai Illogico Malbec. Uh, that comes from deep in the Kalaki Valley in Argentina, uh, a breathtaking altitude approaching 9,000 feet. That means it's the third highest vineyard in the world, which also means it comes highly rated at 91 points. No fining or filtration is done when producing the Sinaia Logico, and that, pres- that preserves its true natural taste. It also boasts about 10 times the resveratrol levels. You can look that up to see what the benefits of that happen to be. Bono Private Wines is the sole importer of this amazing Malbec. If you want to get a bottle of this exclusive wine, you can do so by visiting BonnerPrivateWines.com and becoming a member of the Bonner Private Wine Partnership. That's B-O-N-N-E-R B-O-N-N-E-R and they've got uh, other wines there as well that are outstanding. We've, uh, over the years, all three of us have tried them and uh, gave them rave reviews. Uh, this is one of Todd's favorites that we talk about on the show, for example. Um, you can get those for over 50% off and free shipping. Over 50% off and free shipping at BonnerPrivateWines.com uh, slash Steve. BonnerPrivateWines.com slash Steve. Well, we've never done it this way before, Todd. So you ready to kind of go buy, sell, or hold unplugged, if you will? Yeah, let's jam. All right, so with Aaron operating at 50% capacity, let's get to buy, sell, or hold. This is where you guys determine what we're going to talk about. We'll get to as many of these as we can now, and then the rest we will uh, we will uh, finish uh, when we get to the overtime. Uh, no subject is off limits. Aaron has determined which ones will get on the air. Uh, and then, Todd, you and I will determine, are we going to buy that? Are we going to sell that? If you use a hold at any point in time, let's do this for this year. And see how it works. No gimmicks. You just need to know you've, you've shamed your entire family and, and cultural heritage. That should be enough. 
Fair. Let's see if let's see Tough, if that's enough of fair. an incentive. Let's see if it is. We'll find out. All right, let us begin. All right. Uh, this is from Sean Griffiths, who says there will not be a single Christian majority country in Western Europe within the next generation. Most of their cathedrals will be destroyed, repurposed or turned into mosques. Within a couple of generations, there will be some European countries under some form of Sharia law. Are you buying or selling that? Buy. I mean, there already isn't. I, I mean, I don't care what bean counting they use. Oh, when they take a sentence, there already isn't a majority Christian country in Western Europe, no, is there? In no. any real sense? You, no. you, you have Who? some of the old, I guess, do you consider Poland? No, that's not what, it was a, it, I don't it, think they're considered, that's Eastern but, Europe. Yeah, yeah, it's considered in the Soviet bloc, even though it, it borders Germany, okay? Um, but the old Soviet bloc countries are still kind of hold that broke out of that. Yeah, but are that's still not holding. Western Europe. Yeah, they're yeah. the last vestiges of the old Europe. But I, the only reason I would sell this is much of this is already occurring. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's been, this has been going on for nearly a decade that Muhammad has been the most popular new male baby name in the city of London for childbirths. Um, you, we've already seen many of but the old cathedrals turned into mosques. I think less than 2% of France now is evangelical. So I, I will buy. And the only reason you would sell is that your, your timeline is not accelerated enough. Yeah. Uh, you, just wait though. We, you know, all the, there's all these uh, Western women who, you know, they're this close in, in these countries. There's, and it's like the San Franciscan who's voting for Hamas. You, they haven't made you wear the burqa yet, but it's coming. Sure and then, what, oh, no, and you then what kind you, of vote are you going to take? You did wear the burqa, brother. Oh, well, it was the yeah. Chinese cloth uh, the, yeah, face yeah. diaper. That yeah, was the, that See, was the burqa we, for the spirit of the age here in the West. But that's yes. why they know they're going to bring the real thing. Yes, that's true, too. All right, next. Uh, James Miller says Jim Harbaugh will go to the NFL after climbing to the top of the college football mountain at Michigan, leaving Steve and Michigan fans to wander in the desert another 26 years. I'll lead off with this one. Um, I'm going to sell because of your latter part. I mean... We weren't terrible those whole 26 years. We weren't as good as we are now, but I mean, we were still averaging nearly eight wins a year. We won major bowl games. We won, uh, we won uh, Big Ten championships. I mean, Lloyd Carr oh, was no. still putting together Hall of Fame college football resumes. Yeah, I mean, that's... We're not wandering. That's not the take you had on your program three years ago for these last. Well, three that's years. because I had given. You were I, that's, low in lamentation. I was because I had given up that I thought Jim could do it. But I'm now. But now, now I've seen that Jimmy can. See what I did there? Yeah. All right. When when he, he when he when things out. are not going well, he's Jim. Yes. When things are going yeah, great, is, oh, he's I, Jimmy. I know intimately how this thing goes now. <laughs> trust me. But but I mean, no. Uh, I think I do think Jim will go off to the NFL. Although I, you know, you know what's funny is now that it's the most logical move to make, and all the Michigan fans are totally okay with it. It would be kind of the Jimmy thing to say. Oh, I'll stick around. He's entirely unpredictable. Entirely. That being said, I do think he'll go off to the NFL, so I'll buy that. But I don't think Michigan's never experienced a 26-year desert in the history of its program. I mean, if your if your only definition of success is winning a national championship, well, then a lot of teams have experienced that. So that's just I just I'll sell on that on those grounds. Uh, I'll generally buy the thrust of that because of the. Uh Largely because of the playoff. Had the this 12-team playoff that everybody wants and everybody needs and it must happen for our righteousness to prevail. <laughs> um, 
had that not been happening and we stayed something uh stay, kept what we have now which again steve how many years have we done it this is this 10 years nine years whatever 10 the, years we had 10 years okay. of the 14 playoff it, yep. it 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 worked until this year when you basically could have taken another four teams that didn't get in and replaced the four that were including michigan uh and Michigan, this is not taking anything away from what Michigan accomplished there, but you could have basically had as competitive of games. It was that deep for the first time this 10 years. Nobody really had a really good argument for somebody just got totally screwed or this isn't working. It took away a lot of the controversy of what happened uh, before that. But now that we have the 12 TP playoff, I, I, I would have said, like, Forget just the last three years. I mean, let's, they made it in the last three years. Last year they lost to TCU, but I think every incentive would be there to like be the next Alabama to, to, because I, the, the momentum's all there. Keep going with it. But now that you have a 12-team playoff, it is going to be so much harder for every single team to make the kind of runs that Michigan just made or Alabama I recently agree. made. So I- if you have a calling... And Harbaugh's got, no matter what Harbaugh says, this is an itch because he's a weird dude that he's uh, always scratching every year, no matter what's going on at Michigan. I, I just think it's likely that he goes. I agree. It's likely that he goes. I'm, I'm, my only argument was with the latter part. I mean, and, and I think actually the latter part, what you just said, actually affirms my argument with the latter part. But even part. Jim was thinking what a, you A think. lot of teams are going to have, if, 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 the, if the new standard now is, Everything that wasn't winning a national championship is unsuccessful. The, we're going to have way more variance than we ever did before. Then then, then everybody is going to experience long droughts now because we're, we're not going to see runs like the, Georgia and Alabama just had, for But it's example. important. He's he's going to be a lot like you in whatever perspective he has at a given moment. It was, just a, a week ago, in the fourth quarter of a game, you said, I guess we just don't win national championships. Correct. Because that... And that's more and more what all sports people think about this. They don't have any perspective. They're incredibly myopic because this is crack to them. They're they're addicted to this. And it's even worse than crack because this isn't a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. And we've still made it our drug of choice. Choice. We can't think clearly about it as sports bros anymore. And that's a deep, deep tragedy because this is supposed to be fun and beautiful. And we're sucking uh, the life out of it. So we're. I don't. I don't know what... Thinking long-term about foot, th- this sport is almost it, like thinking long-term about anything because we're destroying all of it in real time. I agree that long-term thinking about virtually anything in society right now, in our society, is not a good, a good idea in general. All right, next, John, said, John Baxter, sorry, top four 80s female vocalists in no order. Number one, Whitney Houston. Yes, that's an automatic, right? Yes. Uh, number two, Bonnie Tyler. Like total eclipse of the heart. Yeah. Right. I mean, okay. That's a, number three, Laura Branigan. That's uh, Gloria. Right. Yes. And then number four is Pat Benatar. So mm-hmm. I think one in four are are automatics. Fair. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so when I was, the middle uh, two, I think you could take great issue with because, for example, we're just saying we're talking female vocalist. Didn't say soloist. Right. Okay. So the Bengals were the greatest uh, female. Uh, Musical greatest selling female musical act of that era, you know. I can't but remember I'm the not gal. Taking bands, I'm taking this very literally. Vocalist, not necessarily performers. I mean, because if it was performer, you'd have Madonna in there. I don't. I, be, I don't believe Madonna is a better. So Madonna doesn't belong in there. You don't think? I don't think she's a better vocalist than uh, those four. Than Laura Branigan? 
I think she's a better vocalist than Laura Branigan. I don't know when you think of what I don't know much about. I mean, Bonnie Tyler and her are interesting polls because I what I know of them is from their classic songs. But I like I, I mean, Stevie, I, I, Stevie Nicks had a very Steve, successful solo career in the 1980s. All right. She's she she's she belongs. She she should be up there before Laura Branigan. Um, I would I would Nicks I would definitely a great vocalist. You don't think Stevie Nicks is a great vocalist, really? You think about the no uh, no I don't I mean she, she's well, not Aretha Franklin had several no, big hits in the eighties she's got to be on the list she might be the greatest female vocalist of all an, time yes but she's not an she's not classically eighties no but she had several massive hits in the eighties more hits than Laura Branigan had I mean you've got to put Aretha Franklin on the list you, I'd put Madonna I would put Madonna before I put Laura Branigan on the list I'm okay with Bonnie Tyler just given the uniqueness of her voice. And she did have one of the seminal hits of the era, okay? But um, I put Stevie Nicks on that list before her. I mean, those are just a few from the 80s off the top of my head right there that I would absolutely put there. I'm just taking vocalist more literally. Somebody who just can flat out croon and maybe they're terrible at writing songs. I thought we were missing somebody obvious and we are. Tina Turner's got to be on the list. She uh, she was a massive solo he, se, solo selling artist and she's absolutely I don't belong, about that. But she I, belongs on the list before Laura Branigan does. I think maybe the thought is that is she as much seventies as eighties? No, all her big hits. Well, when she was with Ike, that was the seventies. But as a solo artist, all her big hits were in the eighties. I'd, I'd have uh, that's the best name that's not on there that I would absolutely okay. take. Yeah. All right. Next one. So we're selling that list though. I'm selling it. Um, no, I bought it. I'm fine with it. Okay. Uh, Jim Stalker says there hasn't been an election in the United States since its inception that has driven the country solidly onto a course toward less government and more liberty. Each has driven the country toward more government and less liberty. Yes. I'm going to sell. Um, I don't think you can say the Calvin Coolidge presidency drove the country to more government. I don't think you can say that. Oh, what, what was the era it said? I think I think he said ever. There he said there election. hasn't been. Oh, in- yeah, since its inception. I would I would also, in a way, I would argue the first election did, because by virtue of having it and not accepting the offer to become king, George Washington inherently gave us less government than we would have had if we had a monarch. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. So while I'm I'm. Um, by the spirit of your post, I'm feeling you, dog. Okay. <laughs> by the spirit of your post, I'm feeling you on a literal application of it. I think it's an overreach, so I will sell. Yeah, I don't know. I inferred that you, I don't know why I did. I, maybe in my default is there uh, that no matter what you say about government progressive, yes. Uh, but I not since the beginning. I was thinking this century, and then Steve brings up an interesting point about uh, uh, Calvin uh, Coolidge. But you, you know, Cal, you could view Calvin Coolidge as simply being a plug because the progressive movement had already started. It's certainly a vote to as a warning signal. But did it reverse course? I think the argument can be made based on everything that happened afterwards. The answer is no. But I mean, I would say the Taft election meant less government, and that's one of the reasons Teddy Roosevelt came out of retirement to oppose him, is because he didn't want that to be the face of the Republican Party. He wanted small p progressivism to be. So, but overall, I I did overreach early on. I I think Steve is right. It's it's it, it's a little it's a little too broad, but not too much. 
Okay. Jeff Burkhart says Iowa caucus turnout under 216,000. And he picked that number because he says that's the amount predicted by uh, the uh, DeSantis Super PAC, never back down. Now, I don't know what their number is. I'll take that for granted, uh, Jeff, that you have it right. Um, What's the record number? 186, just under 187, 186 and high change in 2016. I don't even think we're going to hit that. Yeah, so, this so, weather's going to play a role. It's supposed to snow again on Friday. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm to a buy. I, yeah. I don't even think we're going to hit the 187 yeah. that we hit in 2016. It's going to be under, yeah. Okay. Next, Uncommon Sense, S-C-E-N-T-S, for those of you on the podcast, meaning smells. Uh, the only chance communism has to work is if all of society and government are devout followers of Christ. I would buy this because it would require an acts to kind of a spirit sharing of things in common uh, under the spirit, meaning you are living in objective denial of your nature. But remember, even in that case, is it, um, who are the, who are the two that, uh, the couple that promised to sell off their assets and share them with the church right, and then yeah. kept some for themselves, yeah. right? Uh, like underreported yeah. the number or something, if I yeah. remember right. Okay. That did not and, well uh, and Pete, who was it? Do you remember who it was? I don't remember. The I names, don't either. No. Um, and, uh, and Peter calls him in kind of like God to walking in the garden in Genesis three. Yeah. Peter calls him and says, Hey man, how'd that transaction go for you guys? But that was pretty good. Yeah. Appreciate the, uh, the magnanim- magnanimous gift, you know, and then they just lie. And then mm-hmm. the Holy spirit strikes him dead right there for lying right there. You know? So even, even in a community that is completely culturally squeezed out. So it has nothing else competing with its own allegiance to one another. It, we still couldn't get everybody to go along with sharing everything in common. We, so mm-hmm. man, that kind of makes me think that maybe it's just impossible period. Like this, you basically, you know what I'm going to say sell. And here's why I'm, I'm, I'm communism is essentially the devil's attempt to rip off the millennial reign that instead of waiting for the return of Christ and the millennial reign, when the lion lays down with the lamb and the enemy is vanquished into the lake of fire. Instead of all that, the enemy came up with his own cheap knockoff called communism that we can just do this all on our own without Christ. So I don't even think, I don't even think, I don't think this side of the millennial reign, we could do this even Mm -hmm. as humans within a church construct. So yeah, you'd be right. And the catechism of the Catholic Church is very clear on this. While it, ta- it points out the uh, obvious uh, pitfalls of all uh, forms of uh, government, it, it holds no hope in communism. It is, it's inherently broken. It's inherently demonic. Yes. There's no, you know, yes, capitalism can be terrible, but it's not default terrible. It is, it is a clear Christian teaching, at least within the Catholic church, that communism is destined to fail. Before we move on with uh, part two of buy, sell, or hold, a word about our friends over at Jace Medical. Uh, They watched in December as drug shortages hit a record high. And they are concerned about severe disruptions in medical treatments. That's why even important drugs like the antibiotic amoxicillin, they're in short supply right now, as well as 294 others. Doctors are saying they've been forced to make impossible choices, including choosing which patients to prioritize receiving potentially curative therapy. 
This is why you need the Jace case, folks. It's a personalized emergency kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And Jace is working to continually expand its medication offerings. You can customize your Jace case as well. They've even added ivermectin as an option in the Jace case. Buy one for yourself. Uh, get one as a gift with a gift card for a member of your family or a loved one so that they can get a Jace case of their own and personalize it to their needs. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected so get yours today go to jacemedical.com enter the code dace at checkout for a discount on your order that's promo code dace my last name at jacemedical.com j-a-s-e j-a-s-e jacemedical.com promo code dace all right let's continue on with buy seller hold data masks says the dude code dictates that after the fourth iou there are no more IOUs for the pole jar, pay cash on the spot, or take a round from the Airsoft device. Here's the problem. I'm going to sell. Here's why. There's just very few cash transactions anymore. Like, I, I, almost, I have very little cash I carry on me. So I owe the swear, I, the swear jar, same difference. I owe the pole jar 40 bucks. Right? I, I asked the wife yesterday, can you go, when you, when you get a chance, can you get me 100 bucks in cash? And I'm just going to put 100 bucks in here. 40 that I backo and then I'll pay forward 60 bucks you know so I can we just don't have cash as readily available as much as we used to man worthy cause I'm selling worthy cause aside I am plotting the day and the time and the hour when I am going to go full leg lamp on this jar and it's just going to have an unfortunate demise and I'm going, to be there. Yeah, I'm going to be there in the living room i don't know what happened i was just vacuuming <laughs> yeah nice uh is it pugilist i think that's what it says pugilist says a second jar will need to be placed on the desk mm. to collect the lines of the word or the is that the fines of the, the fines. Word? fines of the word that will not be spoken before the summer is over or is killing us i don't believe we're going to need a second jar i don't I don't. That time of year, that time of year, regardless of who the nominee is, when we get to that point of the year, it's going to be, there's going to be even the, the far fewer reasons to even talk about them than there are then. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because then, then we get into, it's so obvious everything is a psyop at that point. It's not even a debate. You know, like Trump's going to lose Wisconsin by 16 points kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Okay. I mean, no, we, I, I, I actually think this, I think, I think this thing will go full throated here for, uh, for a, a, about a month or so, uh, or a couple of months or so. And then I think however long this primary lasts or whenever we get to Trump's, you know, Washington, uh, his, his January 6th trial yesterday's appeal hearing, by the way, did not go very well for Trump. Um, but whenever this primary ends, they've, they've really front loaded the schedule. So I think a lot of this, we're going to know early to mid March. So by when we get into April, May, June, and, and then then you're into it's down to Republicans and Democrats, there's going to be even less reasons to trust and talk about these things then. So, no. Yeah, no, I just we need our people eye on the ball of the th- content, what you talked about and in your opening uh, monologue in the opening hour. And right now they're just writing us. Uh, emails to try to troll us into saying it and put it in the yes that's true too and i've respect it by the way i have to tell you man again i'm going on four weeks since i muted as many references to that word as i could on my twitter account i gotta tell you man i'm i'm actually reading more stuff 
there's more think pieces, more stuff that I'm like, I really want, I'm going to read that full, you know, all the way. It, it does really show you how much content is just driven by these things. And it's just so shallow, vapid and unnecessary. All right, let's continue. Uh, B Rob says, Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump will be separated by less than 3% in the final Iowa caucus tally. What do you think? Um, it was th- well, it was it, can, it was a little less than four percent between Trump and Cruz, I believe, in twenty sixteen. It can go as long as you that can the margin that margin can go either way. Uh, that's I, I think DeSantis is going to win. You do. If Iowa is still Iowa, well, this is the conversation. I, I know we don't quite agree on at least the last time we had it, but if Iowa is still Iowa, all the signs are pointing that, that absolutely. Everything that the way they voted uh, in the past in terms of the endorsements that happen right now, I believe Ron DeSantis is going to win. And Iowa is going to have to do some clear headed thinking and all of the, the every, on every level. But w- what's different now? Because voting for Donald Trump and certainly doing it overwhelmingly makes zero sense for Iowans. Whatever the other states end up doing, I don't know. But Iowa, if Iowa is proud of who has been its in the past, you need to step up and you need to vote for Ron DeSantis because otherwise what you've been doing this entire time makes zero sense, and I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to sell because I, I honestly don't know what's going to happen. I, I mean, I, I, live in, I, I live in the most densely populated part of this state. And there's, I've not seen a, seen a uh, I don't think I've seen a single Trump sign the entire time. I didn't know what a Nikki Haley sign looked like until last week. And I don't want to make it look like everybody's got DeSanta signs in their yard because they don't. I've seen four, which is four more of it than I've seen of anybody else's, not counting my own. I, I, I just, it's the weirdest. And I've got to, I'm going to tape something with, uh, with Stu for his show tonight after we're done here today, where he wants me to get in depth about Iowa. Uh, if, Stu, if you're watching, be prepared to be disappointed with my answers. I, I don't have a clue. I, it's, a, it's the weirdest, most peculiar cycle I've, I've ever seen. I, I have a hard time believing uh, that Trump has a 30-point lead. I also have a hard time believing, or I would have had a very hard time pre-COVID believing that everything would be that far off. Until, you know, they also told me that masks work 99% of the time and so does the jab. So I, I, I don't, I don't know. If you had I'm, enough, I'm, I'm going to learn what's going to happen and why on Monday night at the same time all of you are. If you had enough faith in your issues in the past and that those issues were so important and so fundamental to why you show up on that cold and snowy night that you anointed Mike Huckabee uh, and you anointed uh, um, Rick Santorum and you anointed Ted Cruz and you didn't care what the polls said during that time. You didn't care what any national media said. You didn't care what Hollywood said. You said, we're Iowa. We're going to do what we think is good, true and beautiful. And now... If you, given the options you have on the table, you, and you, none of you can look me in the eye. You have whatever reason you have. No reason you have has anything to do. You don't have the best option on the table you've ever had before to lift up those ideas and carry them to the finish line. And you don't? Folks, I'm doing the math. It's one plus one equals two. If you do something else, you're going to be doing some other negative integers, bizarro land, uh, um, backwards universe notion that i just you're going to be rejecting everything you've done in the past by the way ananias and sapphira there that's who went before peter and lied um thank you guys 
good to see the biblical literacy in this audience because there's literally 70 emails in my inbox right now correct pointing out to us the names we couldn't remember before all right let's try to do at least one more uh from alex pichardo donald trump's chances of getting put in prison are higher than anyone on the epstein list we are not a nation of laws and never have been we are a nation of political will and always will be i think this is an unquestionable buy it only has to be one percent for that to happen. That's yes. that, yeah, you beat me to it. That, I, I went with the William Shatner pregnant pause, and like a, like Republicans, you pounced, yeah. uh, and so I didn't have a chance to deliver the money line. But that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. If it, I mean, if if the odds are only one percent that they will put Trump in prison, that's probably a hundred percent more than anybody on the Epstein client list will go to prison. Yeah, they put because they put this person in prison and they start ratting. And that's what they're not going to do because there's so much filth out there, folks. So it, it, much filth. But if we're going to throw names like Trump and Richard Branson and Bill Clinton, if we're going to just now, now, now that that a third party, a court has ordered these files to be unsealed, and so the 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 mutually assured destruction yeah. that kept each side from wanting them yeah. out is blown up, wouldn't it be nice to have an actual media right now that would just tell us what actually happened? Yeah. Then, wouldn't that be nice? Long gone. Yeah. Long gone. And probably not coming back. Nope. But it would, it would be nice now to just know what happened. Yeah. Just to know. Let's do one more. Uh, yes. Carrie Lesky says, buy, sell, or hold. Preborn will get a $7,000 <laughs> donation by the end of the year. If we're counting all the people that have matched, that have committed to matches to me in our mailbox, then I think it could reach that number. Sure. I think that's possible. But I'm telling you, after we get past this primary, the temptation to talk about these things is going to deteriorate and diminish greatly yeah agreed like i think if, if you were buying if you're buying stock in the pull jar that's a first quarter buy all right by the third quarter man this thing's dot com booming is what i think <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back casey desantis is going to join us next like to remind you that Patriot Mobile has been America's only really American mobile phone company for going on a decade now. Uh, and that's why we are proud to partner with them. I actually ran into uh, one of the mucky mucks over at Patriot Mobile about a year and a half ago. And he came up and said, wow, uh, you guys have been, your audience has been phenomenal for our company and has really responded well. So let's keep it going. I mean, we uh, finally took our own advice and you know, we hung on on T-Mobile for a long time, mainly because I was just lazy and figured switching would be impossible with, you know, all the different lines and stuff our family has. And then T-Mobile sent out a, uh, a text alert one day saying they were going to start censoring texts for misinformation where COVID was concerned. And that's when I finally called Patriot Mobile and I said, all right, whatever the hassle is, we're making that switch now. Turns out it wasn't a hassle at all. Then you start thinking, you know, like those Aaron Rodgers commercials. Well, maybe they're just, you know, making it easy for me because, you know, I'm on the air talking about them. But I've heard from a ton of you as well that they made this switch as seamless as absolutely possible with their 100% U.S.-based customer service team. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or upgrade if you want to do that. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know when you go to make the, go to make the switch. They have extra ways to say thank you for your service for the rest of us. You can get a free activation with the offer code Steve if you make the change today at patriotmobile.com slash steve again patriotmobile.com slash steve or call them at 972 patriot 
Joined now here in studio by Florida First Lady Casey DeSantis, who is here as we're down the stretch with the Iowa caucus. It's good to see you, Casey. How are hey, you? Hey, good to see you. A little bird told me it was going to be 20 below on caucus night, so I, uh, I brought, <laughs> I'm teasing him because... Apparently, you got Celsius confused with Fahrenheit. That's okay. Happens to the best of That's us. That's true. But, but now, to say, but it's now, it's, be cold. now, yeah, now it's going to be pretty close. <laughs> now I'm told it might be minus 14. It is going to be cold. Yeah. So I have extra layers. So thank you. And a heated vest. Just on the personal side, living in Florida, what's it like being up here around all this all the time well, with the see, weather? Well, so I grew up in Ohio, right? In mm-hmm. Troy, 45 minutes north of Dayton. So I, I was used to the snow. You've seen desolation. You've I, seen some things. Listen, I've yeah. shoveled my car out of the snow. No snow days. I mean, I grew up with that. But I'll tell you, when you move to Florida, your blood thins a little bit and you yep. turn into a little bit of a weather wimp, which is what, but I'll tell you, <laughs> I'm getting my bona fides back coming up here. The snow is great. So we were out playing in the snow yesterday or two days ago, actually the past two days with Mason, my my son who's here with me um but you know it's the wind that really gets you when the wind comes in at 20 miles per hour and it's horizontal snow that's when it gets really chilly that that is true indeed so what's it been like on the ground down here for the last stretch run in iowa yeah, it's been great. I, there is a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, there is a lot of folks who uh, obviously, and this has been one of the greatest parts of this process, Iowans take this process very seriously. I go out and I'll meet with folks and do coffees and they'll come with legal pads of questions and mm-hmm. notes and research on Ron and the other candidates. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but you see a lot of enthusiasm and support. And here's why. Because at the end of the day, the people of Iowa understand we need to send somebody to Washington who will actually actually get the things done that they say that they're going to do. I mean, we are tired as Republicans of losing and we are tired of people saying that they're going to do all these wonderful things and never act upon it. And so when you look at what's happening in the southern border, and that's one of the number one issues in addition to the economy and the indoctrination that's happening in the schools, but the border, 8 million people coming across just under Biden. I mean, the people that are coming from countries and places that, you know, are shouting death to America. Don't think for a second they're not trying to infiltrate our southern border and come across and potentially, and God forbid, I hope not, but to do us harm. They see this. They want somebody to be able to get it done on day one. And they look at Ron in the state of Florida as a guy, when he says he's going to do it, he not only delivers, he over delivers. And that's what we need. Tell our audience around the country who's never been to Iowa, never been a part of the caucus process. They've only just heard people like me who live here uh, talk about it over the years. Now that you've had a chance to spend most of this calendar year immersed in it to some degree, what is it that you can tell them about this process and 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 why if maybe you don't think this, but but why perhaps Iowa does benefit the country overall? Uh, and what you've experienced interacting with Iowans here for the better part of the last seven, eight months. Yeah, Iowa embodies what makes this country exceptional. Faith, family, they want a restoration of sanity. I mean, they're just looking for, again, someone to get the job done. Uh, This process is very special because every single person that I've had an opportunity to meet has done their homework. They understand the stakes. They see what's happening in Washington. They want to be able to see somebody go up there and get the job done. And so um, it's been a privilege. It's been an honor. Listen, you know, I go around and I do coffees on my own. Chip Roy and I went out. We were in Fort Madison. We were going out and meeting folks and doing coffees and taking questions. And, you know, it's uh, it's so impressive to see. Like, I'll start talking about Ron's record and they already know about half of it. And so I think that that's just very special. And I really believe that Iowa is going to change the trajectory of the entire nation. I see that they understand the stakes uh, and they can blow through this narrative that you see the media. Media, 
the left, some establishment Republicans trying to perpetuate, saying that this is a foregone conclusion. They understand they have it within their power to change the trajectory. They take this process very seriously. And I'll tell you what, our folks uh, who are supporting Ron, and we are so appreciative of that, uh, they're going to show up in minus 14 degree weather because they see the opportunity before them. Just like when you had Carter and you ushered in a Reagan, we have the opportunity with Biden to usher in a Ron DeSantis, and they get that. And this is one of those opportunities where we can change the direction of this country and restore what makes us exceptional. You and I have gotten to know each other a little bit through this process. Yes. Um, I, I am not fond of saying I don't know. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't go out there to not let my opinion be known or to take a position on something. Um, But I have gotten phone calls in the last few days from the New York Times, Washington Post, all kinds of global media entities have have tracked me down. Um, I'm even going to go when we're done here, I'm going to tape something for, uh, for Stu's show later tonight here on The Blaze. And, you know, he's going to, you know, want me to, you know, uh, play Oracle of the Iowa caucus as I have in the past. And, and I have to tell you, I, I don't know what to think about what's going to happen. This has been the most and I've been a part of every cycle since 1996. So almost 30 years. It's the, I've never seen anything like it. it. It felt like with all the indictments and everything that went on in the spring and the summer, like we weren't even having a caucus. It, it kind of felt to me like when the governor and when Governor Reynolds endorsed, like that at least turned the light on like, like, oh yeah, people, I guess we're having a caucus. Like like people were like reminded it was taking place. And then it does feel like in these last few weeks that a lot of the energy that's kind of been pent up in this process has kind of all exerted itself, um, you know, all at one time. But like I was mentioning to the audience, Casey, before you came on, um, I I live in one one of the most densely populated areas of this entire state. Um, There's like seven yard signs. There's like you know, five for DeSantis. One of them's mine. I've seen none for Trump. I've seen none. There's one for Vivek. Uh, and I, I didn't know what a Nikki Haley yard sign looked like until the CNN town hall last week. They're just in past cycles, it, like the neighborhoods were littered with these things. So I don't know what to think about what's going to happen on Monday night. What can, you know, I'm asking you, this is the first time you've ever done this. You have nothing to compare it to. Is, is my read of this right, wrong, indifferent? How would you react to that? I think Americans, and particularly Iowans, are looking for a restoration of sanity. They're looking for someone who's going to defend faith. They're looking for someone who's going to stand up for their values. Uh, they're looking for someone who is going to fight on their behalf and do it with class and grace and integrity and who ultimately has a record of getting the job done. So, uh, you know, do we know what ultimately is going to happen? No. I mean, I would say polls have historically been so inaccurate. I don't know why people always tether themselves to it. I mean, if you look at, you know, when Ron was running against Andrew Gillum, I think he was down seven points the night before he won the election. I think he had, they had him down or just up by two points uh, to Charlie Crist, and he ended up winning by the largest landslide of any Republican governor in the history of the state. Now, I've been out knocking on doors, and I've been in your neighborhood, and I've seen those signs. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that, um, you know, folks are hungry for a change. And yes, they are starting uh, to, to become, I think no, they've always been involved uh, in the process and they, you know, but I think getting out there more. For instance, like when Ron was out uh, with Chip Roy and Thomas Massey, they went to just do a stop at a, at a restaurant or a, a diner. They didn't, they weren't, you know, how many people are gonna be there? 
they had 200 people show up. They didn't even have microphones. They just descended upon it because they wanted to see Ron and they wanted to have their voice be heard. So when I was out knocking on doors in West Des Moines and Clive and some of, the, some of these other places, um, we were out there and we knocked on our three millionth door. We've knocked on nearly a million doors across Iowa. We've knocked on doors for every caucus goer four times over. And I've we never are heard now, of that, by And the way. now we are on our fifth pass. Yeah. We have 1,600 precinct captains, 40,000 and commit to caucus and I'm on the phone talking to a lot of these folks just saying hey thank you thank you for what you're doing thank you for being a precinct captain thank you for getting your friends thank you for showing up on caucus night to go out and, and either speak on behalf of the governor or caucus for the governor and I'll tell you what they say you know what I feel like it's my duty this is our opportunity to change the trajectory and they're honored to be a part of a movement to restore sanity in this country uh, and I think that that there's you know ultimately do we know? Uh, no, uh, but uh, I believe that Iowa will change the trajectory of the entire nation. Casey DeSantis here with us on The Blaze. I, I've, I've noticed something that uh, pro-DeSantis social media accounts on Twitter or X have been pointing out during the various town halls that have been on TV here, including last night on Fox, how many times that your husband gets asked about Trump from people and how many times it gets asked about Trump when the media asks the questions and they're pointing out that when the people stand up to ask questions, they almost never ask a question about Trump. Uh, but when the media asks him questions at these events, they tend to start with that. What have you guys seen on the campaign trail? You are running against essentially a, an incumbent, if for lack of a better description. I mean, he did win the state twice as a general election candidate. When you're out there on the stump, how often do people ask you about Trump or compare yourselves to Trump? Or do they they want to know who your candidate is, who your husband is, just as an individual? I get more questions about who Ron is as an individual. They want to know more about him. They want to know more about his background. They want to know more about the vision for the country going forward. I, I, from what I hear from folks, they don't want to relitigate the past. They don't want to give Biden a permission slip to go back to the basement to make this a referendum on everything that happened previously. They want to be able to see what the vision is and to have somebody articulate that for our country moving forward. And that, by and large, is it. They're, it's usually about the issues. I, I hear a lot about the border. I hear a lot from moms and grandmoms about how they're furious about the indoctrination in the schools. Uh, I hear a lot about the American dream. The more I talk to moms, they say, you know, the harder my kids are working, the more they're getting behind. I hear a lot of frustration about what's happening in Washington. Why do they continuously keep passing and putting forth these 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 omnibus bills where they're spending and there's no restraints on any of it? Mm -hmm. And then we wonder why we're having high inflation. We wonder why all these things are happening. They want to see somebody stand up there and finally stop it. They're tired of it. They want to see somebody like Ron DeSantis. We talk about term limits for members of Congress. That's really important. We need a balance budget amendment to the Constitution. We need a line item veto. We need to reduce the size and scope of the bureaucracy by 50%. Take these agencies out of Washington and move them to Iowa. Take the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division and move it to Arkansas. Get we the people back in the government. And oh, by the way, when you make Ron DeSantis
DeSantis, the nominee, and then you get him into the White House and all hands call on deck to the people of this country to say, come and serve in Washington, because this is the election and they understand, as our founders created, can we, the people, govern ourselves? Or are they going to be elites up in Washington in their ivory towers dictating to us how much rights that we can have when they deem it's necessary? They understand that Ron is that vessel to restore our constitutional system and decency and goodness and faith and family. And so I get questions about the issues and I get questions about how do we get this country back on track before we lose the, lose the foundations where we may never be able to get them back? And they are very concerned about the prospects of that. If Biden were be able to get into the White House again and if he took the House and the Senate, you know, they would very well do things that, that they've been talking about, abolishing the Electoral College, packing the Supreme Court, mass mailing of ballots, abolishing voter IDs, doing things that could fundamentally change this country forever. And you've got one guy willing to hold the line to defend everything that made this country great. And that's Ron DeSantis. And so I see that as what people are looking for when they are going to be going out and casting their vote at the caucus. We've got about two and a half minutes. Has this been fun? Yes. It What's has been the been, most fun part about it? I mean, I don't even know where to start. So I, in Sac County, the world's largest popcorn ball. I've been to the world's largest truck stop at I-80. I mean, if you want really good cheese curds, I'm not going to lie. They Alan actually, McKee they, County. They actually w. run ads on podcasts all over the country for that for that truck stop, in fact. But yeah, go ahead. That, I mean, it's been, it's been fun. It has been an honor and a privilege and with much humility that I've been able to approach this. I mean, you look at Ron's background. I mean, blue collar kid, you know, growing up, nobody ever gave gave him a chance to be able to do things. And now look, he is a in the command of the third largest state in the nation, the 13th largest economy in the world, and on the precipice of pre- defending and saving the American Republic. Only in America do you have someone who came from very humble beginnings being able to save this country. That is what we are fighting to protect, not only for your kids and grand, folks' grandkids and, um, you know, our children. And so, um, you know, it's it has been with much humility and an honor and a privilege to approach this. You know, with humility comes grace uh, and, you know, with pride comes chaos. And so we approach this as an honor and a privilege to be able to put ourselves out there as a vessel, as a servant to the people. It's not about us. It's not about trying to be somebody. It's about when the good Lord gives you an opportunity to serve in this limited window that we're on this planet. What do you do with it? Mm -hmm. Are you a potted plant or do you put yourself into the arena to fight and defend for the people of this country and put their interests ahead of your own. And so it has been a privilege to do this. And I will say there is so much truth to Iowa nice. No matter where I've been, we have been warmly embraced. People have been so kind. I walk in and out of a Casey's. People are like, hey, keep it up. Keep up the good fight. You walk into a pizza ranch. You get the best fried chicken, by the way, anywhere. It's really good. And people have been kind. So it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun, but it's also been just an honor to be in this position. Well, we appreciate the fact that you came down here in the midst of what is going to be an incredible schedule, I'm guessing, these last five days to give us some time. And good to see you. Good to see so, you, too. Yes, yeah, so And I'll negative 14, so that's 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 going to be chilly. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to be... We're, we had that record cold in the 2016 caucuses, but it looks like we are going to blow that away from what they're saying right now. So uh, we'll see what uh, that does or does not and do. Thank you for standing out. up for truth. 
Very few people are willing to put themselves out there to defend what they know is right uh, and set their rudder to true north. And you're one of those folks along with Ron. So thank you for what you do. I appreciate it. Um, it was a no brainer for me. Um, I mean, what, what your husband did in Florida uh, is the literal manifestation fulfillment of all the shows I've ever done. So, I mean, it was just simple math to me. And I've, you know, when you move as many times as a kid as I did, um, when you were the new kid in school as many times as I've been, you, you learn how to get by without popular opinion a lot. So, thank you, Casey. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank All you. All right, that'll do it for today's show. We're going to stick around. Todd and I will. We've got some bonus buy-seller hold to get to in the overtime for subscribers. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow. Until then, Romans 828.